All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 281. The finals are upon us. We have the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. We're going to give you the whole breakdown of that series. What's going to happen with Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics? Bob Myers is out in Golden State. And Wembo did something crazy on social media last night. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 281. We have our two final teams. We got Denver and Miami, but so much has happened this past week, Drew, and I kind of wanted to start the show with me apologizing to the Miami Heat fans. I, (laughs) I have to apologize, Drew, because I take full responsibility for the Miami Heat game six loss at the buzzer, mm. the the Derek White game, since everybody gets a yeah. game. And Derek White, by the way, has been absolutely phenomenal. Crazy. Great. Did Crazy. a great job. Earned himself a lot of money right there during <laughs> he, this postseason. He sure did. I couldn't, could not believe it. But I, I want to apologize, and it's for a specific reason, Drew. So for anybody that follows our page, uh, I, I had been working on this uh, zombie heat <laughs> picture i've been working on this piece of art for it took me a couple days to find the one i really wanted to do made it happen as soon as game three was over and they're up 3-0 i could not wait to post this right because it's mm. so awesome i was stoked on the artwork and then boston comes back right or it's 3-2 i'm ready to post this finally i've been waiting like four or five days uh jimmy gets those three free throws at the end which he sinks like a boss all three and i I get the whole thing ready, Drew, because I want to be the first one to to post this. (laughs) So I've got the post ready. I've got the hashtags done and I've got our tagline, you know, the zombie heat back from the dead and back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Same one I did when they finally won game seven. But anyways, I had it ready to post, had the finger on the trigger, the thumb on the on the post button. And then Derek White gets the freaking (laughs) tip of the century. What a play. Could you believe I all I kept saying was, wow. Uh, so a couple things about game six, right? Uh, I was still in Oxnard. I am now back in San Diego and I was still with, um, our guy Barstool Ben, Boston Barstool Ben. Uh, and we got kicked out of the house, uh, because my, my wife's parents were throwing a little, uh, dinner party with some college friends and they didn't ha- they, they weren't planning on us being there and they certainly didn't want Ben running around the house being yelling at the TV while they're trying to have a nice dinner in the other room so we had to occupy ourselves and and we left the house we we did a little miniature golf activity before you know settling into a buffalo wild wings for the full experience the full buffalo wild wings experience wow. with uh, you know, very boisterous, very anxiety-driven uh, Boston Celtics fan for game six. So the first thing that I'll say is that that's probably the craziest ending to a playoff game that I can remember, right? That last second, the way that like just the 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 narrow escape 
of that ball out of his hands in just a fraction of a second mm -hmm. was incredible, right? And and so we're in Buffalo Wild Wings, and Ben is, I mean, completely down in the dumps. Just like I fucking knew it. He, I, he's like, I knew it. We weren't fire Bazooka Joe. Get he him out of here. He was no, he wasn't saying fire anybody yet. He wasn't there yet. But he was just like, man, I wish they swept us like as opposed to getting us this close and then getting my hopes up. Like I, I'd rather have a sweep and and then you know a Butler, of course. So going going just taking it one step back, the free throws that he hit were on uh, a foul call that was ruled a three. All of that anxiety there, but he also got a couple really kind of iffy calls that got him to the line to, to, to edge that game even closer to the way it was. Uh, so he was pissed. He was already livid. He knew Butler was going to hit all three and Marcus shoots the ball and, and he just, he does not, he's not happy with the shot selection, of course, because Marcus has so much time, but he just catches and fully Derek Fisher into the, I'm shooting it like there's 0.4 seconds on the clock. So he's like, no, but it looks good out of Marcus's hand. It did. Rattles in and out. He says, yes, no. And then Derek White lays it in, and then he just lost it. He, in the Buffalo Wild Wings, which was not completely empty. There was a decent amount of people, more people in there than I expected for like a non-Lakers playoff game. You know, we're, we're out, we're, we're close to Los Angeles. But him and the table next to him were rooting for the Celtics. We had one contingent of Miami Heat fans in the back. So there was they're new was fans, the full, anyways. They're new it fans. It should have been a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial because I think this is exactly what the ownership envisioned when they started the place. It's like people screaming at the top of their lungs, half-eaten boneless wings are going flying across the room. Uh, you know, beers are being chugged. And that the tip goes in, the ref counts it, and Ben just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, We're going back to Boston. We're going back to the garden. And then just runs around, gives a high five to the guy at the other table. So I had a full experience. It was great to actually have that experience with a true fan because, you know, I, I'm doing my best to like bite my tongue and be like, I fucking hate the Celtics. I don't want them to win this. And I'm in it. I'm in it with Ben. Well, you made a you made a bet. You you made a uh, handshake bet with him that said right. you're not we, going we to. We had a ceasefire. We had a truce. We did. We we decided that we were going to you know sign a treaty for for the week. Um, the Oxnard treaty and, <laughs> and it worked out because we got to experience that together. And he, we absolutely went nuts. Like I said, so that was, it was in, an incredible moment in itself, but even doubled down on that for me because I got to experience it with like a diehard Celtics fan as he went through the emotion, like the full roller coaster of, of emotions. Um, what a, what a, what amazing way to, to force a game seven, and then for the the game seven to immediately have the air poked out of the balloon in the first play of the game was was so brutal. I I think uh, you know what's wild is that game seven was the most watched Eastern Conference Finals game ever on TNT. Really? It averaged twelve million viewers. It peaked at fourteen point three, which is really impressive considering like all every anybody kept saying was like, well, if it's Denver Miami, nobody's watching <laughs> that game. And it's like, well, it seems like there's a lot of people watching this game. And you're you're totally right, Drew. I mean, I was really excited. It seemed like Boston was ready to go. Jimmy wasn't tripping at all, though. That's no. you know, that's kind of what you want from your leader is a guy that's not he wasn't buying into it. I loved how Spo how Spolstra, you know, bought the plane tickets to Denver and not back yeah. to Miami. I thought that was great. Jeez. 
What a great motivational move right there. It was great. And he was this kind of the same way. He was very confident in going into Boston. Like I had mentioned on the last show. And like we said, like, yo, they, they've won there before they know how to win in Boston. And I thought I was ready for an epic, epic battle. And, you know, I guess the basketball gods didn't feel that way because on the first play Tatum goes down with the rolled ankle and that was kind of it. You know, and I want to backtrack really fast because you mentioned Marcus Smart on that that final shot in game six. Smart was phenomenal that game. He was, he was. The, he, he was absolutely wild. And normally when Smart's hitting all those three-pointers, you're like, right. oh, shit, you're in for a really long night. But back to the game seven, I thought after, after the Tatum roll, uh, I mean, he wasn't the same. He couldn't no. move laterally, laterally. Jimmy was attacking that you know, at any chance he he got, it seemed like they didn't, it seemed like they didn't know how to play against the zone at all. Right. When actually like you, that should be the first thing you know about Miami is that they can run a zone. They were settling for a lot of three point shots with, which weren't falling. And, um, it just wasn't their night. And I'm pretty sure Boston fans knew that early, you know, like how would you, how would you feel if, on the first play of the game, your boy, your your savior, Tatum's the guy that's ready for this. He showed up in big moments, back against the wall moments, and then goes down with the ankle roll, and he looked defeated too. Like you could see it on his face when he went back yeah. to the bench. Um, and we'll talk about Jalen Brown here in a minute. But what did you think about? I thought they'd be prepped a little better. That's all I'm saying. And maybe you know we had, everybody's been talking about the coaching and whatnot. But did you see that they were settling for a lot of? you know, BS three pointers when, when the, when the shot wasn't falling. Yeah. I think Tatum's ankle roll, like set the tone of like, Oh no, this is, this is not going to be a good night. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that, and that happened pretty fast. I mean, like Tatum did a good job of trying to shake it off and like uh, tighten up the laces and, and just keep running on it and seeing if he can make it happen. But especially after the second, after, after halftime coming into the second half, you know, it had tightened up on him for sure. It was definitely getting stiff. I mean, we've basketball players have all done that. You know, if you haven't done that, you're the luckiest guy on the planet. Uh, but it sucks when it happens that early into a game. And then after that, I think they were just trying to play catch up. And then it gets into a, a spot where, you know, the lead is double digits and each one of them is trying to make a three so they can cut into it almost like they're going to get it all the way back in one shot. It just kind of had that mentality, like where they were. Uh, really grasping for for anything that they could, and instead of being drilled well on uh, and well versed on where to be to break a zone down, they did just revert to, okay, I guess I'm open, right? I guess I mean I I do have an opening here, so I guess I'll shoot it again. Um, I do think that that's, you know that that's definitely to be blamed on Joe Missoula, but also everyone on the Celtics team. Right. And and I I just want to say, though, I can totally understand that being the case for them. Uh, When Tatum goes down like that in a a game seven, where in the previous game seven in the last series, he scored 51 points. You're thinking, all right, this is our guy. He's going to show up. He's going to lead us to the promised land here. Uh, You know, maybe he doesn't do another 51 point game, but maybe, you know, he, he can be like a really good version of himself like we've seen over the postseason. Uh, and when when he was unable to do that, they just kind of floundered around. And and like you said, though, some of that has to be blamed on Joe Missoula because, you know, Tatum um, needs to still be in the game, even if he's hampered. But there's ways to break down a, a, a zone defense that should be known by every single coach in the NBA. 
and even every coach in like high school. Like that's like a, a very normal thing that each team, at least when I was growing up, you would get drilled in how to play against a man defense and how to play against a zone defense. You play against a two, three zone, you play against a one, three, one zone, you play against a three, two zone. Uh, sometimes, you know, if a coach was crazy or, or you guys were lazy in a game, he would make you try a box and one, like there was drilling that was done. And I know the NBA doesn't a lot for a lot of practice time with the amount of games that they have. And I know that most of the NBA doesn't run a zone for more than a couple minutes in any given game. But when you have time to prepare and it's an important playoff game, you got to at least bring the boys in and just be like, when we see this, I'm going to call, you know, run X or whatever the play it is. And you guys are going to know where your spots are on the floor. And the easiest way for me to say this is you need someone in the middle, obviously. And it can't be Jalen Brown because that dude just can't handle the ball in traffic. Oh, so we're going to talk about Jalen Brown here in a minute. And have him in the middle there. Mm-hmm. But with Tatum, maybe try him at the free throw line or try Horford at the free throw line or try Marcus Smart at the free throw line. Derek White was getting into the paint a lot and making those little, you know, mid range 10, eight footers a lot. Try him in the paint. And then you have to have someone that can finish on the baseline. So the last thing that I'll mention in regards to that is that Robert Williams turns out was quite sick during that game. And he would be the natural finisher that you'd have running that baseline. So you have the automatic alley-oop drop drop off pass to break through once you get the ball to the free throw line, which they did many times and it worked. Yeah, exactly. But he can only play for 14 minutes. And even in those minutes, he was still like trying to hold down his lunch or, or last night's dinner, whatever it was. Uh, so that's, you know, it's, it's simple to say that, right. But I, I, the reason I say it is because it is simple and every coach should absolutely know how to break that down, uh, where, you know, again, maybe Missoula and the Celtics were hampered by, you know, Tatum's injury and, and, and time Lord's illness, but then give Jalen Brown the baseline role then make him the finisher. Cause he's certainly athletic enough. He can go up and go dunk a lob. You know, if you throw him a lob, no problem, but it just would have been nice to see at least a several different versions of that rotating through and trying before they could find something that would click as opposed to what ended up happening, which, you know, no one seemed like they knew where to go. Everyone was just like, okay, I guess I'll shoot a three. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you, you mentioned Horford being at the free throw line and he was there enough yep. but wasn't wanting to take the shot you exactly. know he, so it's they either, dropped off him yeah and it's either like it seemed like he's very comfortable shooting the three but not shooting the 15 footer right which is a little wild but what I, but uh piggybacking off what you're saying like what, what we are saying with the coaching staff not realizing that you know al horford the og the vet was sitting in on the coaching you know sitting down trying to coach the team too and you'd think that that was one of the things that he'd be saying like it's very easy for nba players to recognize a zone and like what's being run and the first time you get burnt or you don't do the right thing two or three times in a row you you that's when you call the timeout and be like look yes. this is how we're going to run this and i thought floundering was the right word because it seemed like that's exactly what they were doing and in playing catch up, I mean, there was there were so many plays where it's like, damn, do they really need to shoot that three like right now? <laughs> There's like right now. And right. I, you know, I think um, one one thing, if you remember Jalen Brown, when he had the meeting with Taylor Rooks and he's like, I'm not going to jinx myself, but in six years, I'm going to say five or six rings that I'm going to have. Right. And I think those are again, those are jinxes that you probably shouldn't be saying, you know, I was watching a. 
I don't know if I love 30 for 30 and last night's uh, that the one, the new one that I watched was the, the bullies of Baltimore, which was the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Uh, that, that Super Bowl year, awesome yeah. documentary. And one of the thing coach Billick, while they were during the season, when they were kicking dudes asses, like shutting them out left and right, he had a, uh, a jar, a money jar for anybody that mentions the playoffs. You weren't allowed to say playoffs. You weren't allowed. <laughs> you couldn't say the P word. And it was known through, the team, like the uh, media members tried to get them to say it. They wouldn't say it. Anyways, saying stuff like that, winning five or six. I mean, I get it. You're confident, but um, that shit really didn't work out. And we have to, as much as I, I really like Jalen Brown, I love the Jalen Brown Tatum thing. I love how they've come in together and built this, uh, this, this Celtic squad too. I mean, look, these guys have been extremely successful minus the championship, right? If you base everything off of winning championships, I think that's not fair. I think you should feel like seasons are successes, making it to the playoffs, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, coming back from down 3-0. You know, I think it means a lot. It's very hard. Everybody knows it's never happened, right? Right. Um, But I also feel that the Tatum injury is going to be – it's kind of an easy out for him in this game, right? I'm not doubting that he wanted to come out and probably have the best game of his career. I know he yeah. wanted to. I know right. he was ready to. If anybody's ready, it's him. But in those circumstances, your your number two, your one B, has to be Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown has to be the dude that steps up and says, "All right, guys, I got this." And throughout that whole series, it was not happening, especially in that game seven. Eight eight turnovers, Drew. Eight. Those are Russell Westbrook numbers. You know what I mean? Like there, those are not good. I want you to, I want you to tell us, I know you got the numbers in front of you. Give me the stats for Jalen Brown in this Eastern conference finals. Uh, okay. So Jalen Brown averaged 19 points a game, uh, six rebounds and three, three and a half assists. And also averaged three and a half turnovers. Uh, but Shot the ball at 41% from the field, 42 really, 40, 42% from the field, and 16% from three. Ooh. Do you have how many, what, what he shot from three, like the numbers? Uh, he averaged six threes per game and only made one. So let's just say he's probably four for 30 or something like that. It's It's somewhere around there, if my math serves me right. It might be less than that. That's not good enough. Even like on paper, yeah, the 19, 6, and 3, if that's what it was, like that's good, but that's not great. That's not what not that's not going to beat the Miami Heat. That's not going to get you over the hump. And, you know, he said in the post-game presser, like, I let my team down. And he did. He knows it. Boston knows it. And I think there's a lot of pressure coming up, but he's known about. I mean, yeah, he was on the trade block at the beginning of the year with KD and whatnot. Supposedly, they're they're denying that that was even a thing. I'm sure that that was a thing as far as reaching out and seeing who's available, um, which maybe hurt his feelings a little bit. And then he also <laughs> knows that the we've all been talking about, you know, him making the the All NBA team and being up for this supermax deal. And that's, I, in my opinion, that's not the way you get a supermax. Like if you look at this. And, and tell me what you think, Drew. I know we've talked about it on the last show, but if Boston ends up paying the Supermax for him, you're talking about these are the next five years, 50 million, 54 million, 58 million, 62 million, and 66 million in 28, 29. 
I just think that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for 19 points a game. I think that I think Tatum and Brown have something special together. I do. I don't personally think that Jalen Brown really likes Boston, though. I haven't gotten the feeling that this guy likes, loves to play there. There was mm. comments that was made earlier about him and the fans. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, he's always probably going to be the 1B to Jason Tatum, which it should Definitely. be fine for a lot of people, especially if you're making $50 million a year, right? <laughs> Give right. me one Z and I would love to be that. <laughs> but I just still to this day, I cannot, I know we talk about it a lot, but I, I, you have to be one of the best players in the NBA. And he is top what? 15? 18? I mean, according to this year, he's in the top 15. I would he's definitely in the top 25. But that's a lot of money to commit to your your two guys. Now, those two guys, again, like I just said, have gotten you to the Eastern Conference Finals, gotten you really quick, really close. Got him to a finals also. And and you know we we forget. I saw after the game, like Dan, uh, Danilo Gallinari posted uh, an Instagram post, and I'm like, shit, I forgot about Gallo. And we were so <laughs> hyped on Gallo being with that yeah. team. So were and they? The, so were they? And <laughs> what, you know what they needed was a guy that can knock down three point shots and a six ten guy that could stretch the floor a little bit. So they were definitely missing that. But I think they have some things to really think about right now as far as do we want to commit a hundred and some odd million dollars to our two star players. And you're more for it than I am. I, I think that there's buyers out there for Jalen Brown. I think there's a haul you can get. I think there's some stuff there with your Lakers and all the free agents you have. There's been some talk about Portland in that third pick. Uh, maybe this isn't going to work out though, Drew. Maybe this is as far as they can go. What? And maybe they just try to build you know, more out of Tatum because eight turnovers in a clutch game seven game isn't, isn't really going to cut it, man. How do you feel about it? I feel like, um, well, first a lot of what you said there is, is true and correct. His output in this series uh, and, and, you know, at times over the course of his career has been not to the level that we expect. I think that that he can improve the turnovers. I I really think that. I don't know why he hasn't been able to, and what what other kind of training. But like, I if I'm him, I'm calling Steph Curry and just going like, "What is your what are your dribble routines?" And that's all I'm going to do this off season, right? You know, still do your calisthenics, your running, all that other shit. But like, you know, I'm going to focus on making sure that I can handle the ball as they guard. It seems like forward. they're they're just mishandles. It's just mishandles that he's losing the ball on. Right. And that to me makes it makes it seem mental mm-hmm. more than physical. But the way that you can help the mental is by just having that repetition, that comfortability with that ball in your hand at different angles, different times, different heights, and with different people around you. Like he 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 does look panicked when he gets around people in traffic. And it obviously affects what he does in those moments, leading many times to turnovers directly from anyone just kind of swiping at the ball. So it's amazing to say that. And, and you know, Ryan Rosillo, of course, just came out with a podcast a day or two ago and, and talked about the fact that like he he 
he made fun of the fact that like how is this guy so good but can't do this one like very crucial essential thing Mm -hmm. and it is a very valid point i don't know what it is going to take for him to get over the hump uh when it comes to that it's like a bit it's like a second baseman that can't make the throw to first base yeah he said he said it was a ufc fighter who's so great but when you kick him he just crumbles. He can't can't get can't be kicked. Can't handle uh-huh. the kicks, <laughs> which I thought was really funny uh-huh. um, and very very well well said because it does feel that way. And, and then and then he went on further to say like if that guy just keeps getting kicked and losing, like how is he a good? He's like no, actually he's good. He is actually good. You just you just kick him in and he can't handle it. So it that's very much what we are looking at with Jalen Brown. He is very good. Uh, I do think there might be something. To the point that you're making, though, where maybe he maybe he wants to see a different city. He wants to see a different franchise, a different fan base, and a different roster. And maybe he wants to be the man. Maybe he does. Uh, or maybe he wants to contribute to another winning scenario. I mean, the, shit, the guy went to Cal. Uh, maybe maybe there's a Wiggins-Jalen Brown trade. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Or, or maybe maybe it's Clay Thompson. I don't know, but the, you know, there's different things, and I think this this leads me to my biggest point, and it's something we talked about previously. But allowing Jalen Brown to uh, go away in free agency should not be an option for the Celtics. They should offer him whatever they feel comfortable offering, and not allowing him to leave, unless, of course, it is an assign and trade. Uh, that's very much my standpoint, and I think it's not that hard. When you think about the amount of money, yes, it's a lot of money that's going to Jalen Brown. And perhaps you're handcuffed to him for a year or two and you can't really move the asset. But eventually, there's going to be enough players and enough um, you know, cap space and dollars going out to these players that it's not going to be impossible for them to find a trade partner. Um, so I just I think for sure that you keep Jalen Brown and you just you hope that he improves. You hope that he shows the willingness to put in the work to figure that out. Um, I just think that when you have Tatum and Brown, you should not allow yourself to let one of those two go without replacing him. So if you're going to, if you're going to let Jalen Brown go bring in somebody that you think can fill the role. I mean, there's been a lot of talk uh, over the years, I think, but Maybe more in the last two years about a Paul George for Jalen Brown. Trade. Whoa! I well, you, hold, hold hold pump your brakes really fast. I'm just saying there's there's partners out there and there's different scenarios that all of us can come up with that are better than just letting him go because you don't want to pay him. Well, I think that's a great segue because I was waiting for you to finish to say this that if this was Paul George in that series, I can't go. I cannot go a podcast <laughs> without mentioning the Clippers. But if this if Jalen Brown was Paul George. In this series, Paul George would be thrown under the bus. He would be hung out to dry if this guy was putting up 19 and six with eight turnovers in uh, a fi- an Eastern Conference Finals game. He would. Do you agree with me or not? The, the numbers I aren't do. good enough for your second best. And I, I, I think th- Jalen Brown is getting thrown under the bus by Boston fans. I'll just say that. I, th- I don't think I don't think they're pulling any punches on on him. You think so? I think so. I see. I think it also when you get ahead of it, like he did after the game, and not like he wasn't placing blame on anybody else. He was legit pissed off at himself and upset, and he let down a lot of people. And I think when when you get ahead of it like that, it it does help. 
But I just I I I couldn't help but thinking like, what if Kawhi was just having a really great series, and then Paul George is just putting up this sixteen percent from three, like yeah. he would just be vilified, and Clipper Nation and the rest of the NBA would just be like, all right, China, he'd be like Dwight Dwight Howard would be calling for him over <laughs> in Taiwan or whatever. Uh, I I think everything you're saying is completely right. You do uh, kind of just like sign him and then deal with the shit later. But yeah, if you're trying to build now, what if there are no suitors for another year and you're missing out on some then of these still, free agents? Then you still have two top 25 guys True. on your team. True. And I think that I think that they like I think they like each other. I think they like playing together. And again, if you're so close to getting to the the final stage, which is the NBA finals, you've gotten there for a reason, right? And maybe it's maybe it's a little tweak in the coaching. Maybe it's having the healthy Gallo. If if Tatum is healthy that game, who knows what happens? We could right. be having a, a totally different talk. But it, it, it's just wild how like even in that game six, in the game five, like Bam and Jimmy did not play well. Like no. they haven't been playing well at all, and they still end up winning these games. Yeah. So maybe it has to. Maybe for Boston in the front office, maybe it's kind of like let's take a couple weeks off. Let's re reevaluate where we're at, where we want to go. Are we keeping Bazooka Joe? I think he saved his job. I think they're going to yeah. have to have a real conversation with Jalen Brown. And because you want Jalen Brown happy too. Like if we're going to dedicate this money to you, we want to make sure that like, is this the guy? Like, are you guys cool with, with him? You know, are you, are you good with this guy? Or do we need to bring somebody else in now that they're, I mean, the, the, the coaching pool is getting a little smaller now that uh nurse is over in, in Philly now. And, um, I don't know. I just think that maybe you don't jump the gun so quick, right? The draft is coming up. Do you really want that third pick in the draft? Is, is Dame the, the, the answer is 33 year old Dame going to be the answer for you guys? I don't know, but scoot. Now, if you can get that third with the scoot, which we're going to talk about later, uh, that's kind of impressive. That's kind of, uh, intriguing to me. Yeah. I think the plan for the Celtics should be relatively straightforward, Right. You you give Joe Missoula, who you're going to keep for another year, in my opinion. They're going to keep him for another year and see what it looks like next year. You give him some more fucking support. You go out and you get a veteran coach. Uh, you know, Silas just got let go from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, Great assistant would, coach, right? I would bring him in and be like, dude, you're number two. And guess what? If Missoula ain't working, you're number one. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, be like, this is your chance. Like, most guys like Silas who end up in a shit spot in, in an NBA uh, head coaching position for their first job, never get a second job, right? So this could be a really great way for him to get back on the bench. I actually think that there, there may have been already some communications with Silas and the Celtics on this, but I think they're going to sign Silas as the number two and maybe you know bring in a couple more veteran coaches to help guide the team. Uh, but that should be first, in my opinion. And then second is sign, sign Jalen Brown. Listen to all the offers. Call fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. But sign him and then, you know, do that at the same time. See, like, all right, do we want to make a move? Let's evaluate all of these different options. Uh, and and we sign the guy. And then if we need to, we make a trade. Um, and then it's around, you know, then it's about the rest of the pieces. Now, because that money's going out to Jalen Brown, we know the money's going to go out to, to Tatum as well. It's like, what do you do with Grant Williams, right? A lot well, of you can't thinking, have Grant. You can't. A lot, of, a lot of people are thinking he's going to be on a different team next year. Is Marcus Smart's run done, <clears throat> right? He he had some pretty impactful moments in the playoffs, but during the regular season, he was not as good as he was 
the previous year where he was defensive player of the year and he's you know, on the wrong side of 30. So uh, maybe Marcus Smart is done. Uh, Brooke Lopez, for instance, is going to be a free agent, we think. And, and there's going to be a similar issue there uh, in Milwaukee where I don't know if they'll be able to afford Brooke Lopez. So maybe you look at something like that if you're the Celtics. You say, okay, well, what can we do? How can we move and maneuver to bring in more pieces to help us with you know, the, the inefficiencies that they had? They definitely could use another center right mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh you know look i think if they if you brought up danilo gallinari i think if they it, i don't know what he's going to look like after you know his age and and having that knee problem so maybe he's maybe he's done maybe his career is over um but i think he could contribute pretty substantially to this team if you're able to have him on that roster and then look around to try and fill the gaps try and fill those gaps man um but you you have a winning group here right now uh who knows what horford's going to look like next year or whether or not he's going to even want to play uh next year he might he might ride off into the sunset i mean he's he's his clock has been ticking forever he's in great shape i don't expect him to do that but uh my plan is get bazooka joe some reinforcements mm -hmm. lock down jalen brown while exploring all option including dame lillard or scoot or paul george or any of the other shit hey, that we just mentioned watch it, Drew. zach levine or uh, DeMar DeRozan, all the names, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, like th go through the whole book of teams and say, okay, where do, where do we think that we can get better and then make the right decision, wow. but, but sign Jalen Brown and then build around Tatum. I mean, that's just the truth. I a hundred percent agree with you that Bazooka Joe needs another shot at this because it's not fair to a coach to not have a training camp, right? Like you need a training camp with the guys to build that culture. You also need to have your staff, the people that you want there, that's um, going to be there in training camp to, to create whatever culture that you need to have. Um, and maybe it'll last a month and a half and then he's fired. And so, you know, and then they move exactly. on from that and that, that could definitely happen. So I am with you on that. Man, do you remember how much I love Gallinari? Do you remember how I'm like, dude, he is untouchable. I want to keep him so bad on the Of course I do. I've I've really enjoyed Danilo's career. And I his have game. too. I, I would love to see him back. And I, I like I say, I, like we both say, I think he he would definitely have changed the series for Boston against this Miami team. Man, well, he would have had just like one of those games where he has like a 28 <laughs> piece. And like well, is the... even still, even if it was like he averaged 12 points a game, just mm -hmm. like his size. And like, for instance, like we talk about the zone. He's a great guy to fit in anywhere on that top three or four positions in the in the zone offensively. Uh, you can put him at the free throw line. He'll turn and just fire it every time. 100%. And and Robert Williams will just get tip dunks off of rebounds uh, before he gets passes. But anyway, it's just it's one of those th those pieces when you look at the roster and you go, shit, that's that's kind of who they were missing. Um, that's enough for the Celtics for me. I got nothing else to say. It's going to be a wild <laughs> off season for them. Uh, I, I, I mean, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals to the yeah. final game. I mean, that means something. You don't blow up a team because of that. But <clears throat> I just think that the money that's it's going to take to keep that team together, like you just can't do it. Does it doesn't work like that anymore? That's why Grant's going to have to be gone, um, and you're going to have to bring in those cheaper pieces. And those cheaper pieces, like I mentioned on the last show, are going to be the most coveted for any of these these playoff uh, on the, on the fringe playoff teams or these yeah. playoff teams, how important they are. So well, hold on, but, but before we, before we move on, I know we talked a lot about Jalen Brown's problems from the three point line, but I think it's only fair to like blow that up a little bit or, or zoom out a little bit rather uh, to look at Boston's entirety because Jalen Brown. Yeah. He, he shot 16%, but Boston for the series 
shot only 30% from three. Miami shot 43%. So it's not all on Brown. I, I just want to finish that by by going like, okay, a lot of the blame can be taken by Jalen Brown and he can, you know, raise his hand and, and do a very honorable thing by, you know, uh, sticking his neck out there and going like, that was my bad, right? But, and he was bad. But Tatum only shot 23% from three for the series. Uh, Horford, who was the second best three-point shooter in the NBA this year by percentage, uh, at 45% for the season, just behind Luke Kennard, no shot 28%. Way. It was yeah. Al Horford? Yeah. He <laughs> shot 28% from the series. And that was a big thing that I that I talked about throughout this series is like how important Horford's threes are. Uh, and he wasn't able to hit. Um, so the whole team, when you look at it, really outside of Derek White, who shot 48%, and, Jam- and our guy, uh, Grant Williams, shot 42%, everybody else was struggling. Uh, so it, it can be as easy as that. I know we like to dive into like really interesting rabbit holes when we want to break down a series and there's a lot of, you know, good reasons to do so. But when you look at the whole picture and you look at that differential for the entire series of a 13% increase between Boston and Miami, where Miami's shooting better from three, that's how are you going to win that series? How are you going to win that series? And and on the other side, before we move in, because I know we're going to talk Miami Nuggets, and and this is a nice maybe transition piece. When we look at that matchup, Miami shooting forty three percent, their lowest three point percent shooter from any of the t- of the players that actually shoot threes was Struess, who shot thirty four point three percent from three. That's the lowest three point percentage. So they were making the shit that they were taking, mm-hmm. and nobody more so than Caleb Martin. I just mentioned Derek White forty eight, Caleb Martin forty nine percent from three in that series and to me was the MVP of the series. So I feel like this is a nice segue into the, the nuggets and, and the heat talk, because I think it sets the, sets the stage up a little bit. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people feel the same way. I felt the same way as you did with Caleb Martin getting the MVP. And I really thought that Jimmy being Jimmy was going to be the guy that handed the trophy to him and said, look, this is your, (laughs) didn't you like if anybody does it, because Jimmy didn't even want to touch the Eastern conference uh, finals trophy. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to wait to hold the next one. I really thought that if anybody passed that trophy along, I mean, it was five to four votes, which is impressive. And I just think when it's that close and what Caleb did for that team, you know, he averaged nine, I think it was nine points a game during the regular season and literally was the best player. I mean, close, I mean, arguably the best player for Miami. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's very arguable. I I mean, look, Jimmy had a couple good games. Caleb was the most consistent. He was. So I agree with you. I think I thought for sure Jimmy might go like, yo, this is we're this is yours. We're splitting this in half at least. Uh, like I'm you're taking I will get a chainsaw or something, we'll cut this in half. You get half, I'll keep the other half because Miami doesn't win that series without Caleb Martin. Right. Like you would you would think LeBron wouldn't do something like that, but Jimmy, you would think that that's such a Jimmy move would yeah. be to give him the trophy. And maybe he had a conversation after or or whatnot. But look, man, Jimmy Butler since joining the Heat. The first NBA Finals in 2020 appearance since the Braun era. First number eight seed to reach NBA Finals since 1999. First playing team to make Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. He led Miami to the third Conference Finals in four seasons, and he's headed to the second NBA Finals in four years. That resume in the last four years is extremely impressive. Yeah. And cannot go without saying how awesome that is. And yes, right. it takes a full team to get there, but it starts with your alpha. It starts with him. 
and everybody else buying into that, like the Caleb Martins, like the the uh, <clears throat> Gabe Vincents, like, like the Struces who Boston had in camp and didn't want to keep <laughs> Max Struess. And again, it takes patience. It takes time. It takes systems that actually work. It, it, it takes guys buying all in to the culture and to you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. And also... The, we had mentioned earlier about the com the you know Spolstra buying the tickets to Denver and not Miami, yeah. and then we go back to last season, almost a year to the date, with Jimmy Butler saying we're going to be right back here in <laughs> yeah. the same situation, and he was man. Whatever this guy said, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I, I respect that so much, right? Um, so big ups to Miami for doing it. I mean, they're they're playing. If 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 one of those playing games goes the wrong way, we're yep. not having this conversation. One of them did go the wrong way. It, it did. <laughs> was, was that was that was Demar Derozan's daughter's fault, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's who uh, Denver should be hiring to bring to these games. It's like reach out to Demar and go, hey, uh, we just need you. We need your your kid to show up to these games, please. Um, yeah, Boston should have done that too, but I. I, I think sometimes we can overlook like when Jimmy when you look at Jimmy's stats, especially in the last couple of games, and he didn't have the greatest output, wasn't playing the best. I, I do still think that there's an, uh, something that a lot of people refer to as like gravity in basketball, right, where uh, you see it a lot with Steph. Right. So even when Steph isn't shooting the ball or even when he doesn't have it or he's just dribbling around a screen or, you know, one, one of those things, he just attracts a lot of attention. A lot of things just kind of pull towards him. And I think Jimmy very much has that similar kind of gravity. He does so much and can do so much from so many different places on the floor that when he gets the ball, uh, the entire defense kind of goes, oh, shit, it, Jimmy has it. I need to, like, let me let me go look and see, do I need to help? Uh, is he going to break down somebody? Is he, is he shooting right now? And what Jimmy is good at is, is decision-making. I actually think he's, he's a pretty good decision-maker. Sometimes that goes the wrong way, but most of the time he makes solid decisions and is willing to pass out of bad situations. Uh, so that's the, that's the piece about Jimmy. I think that gets overlooked sometimes when you just go, well, Oh, he only, he only had 16 points in that one game or whatever, but yeah, he did, but he was busting his house on defense. He was rebounding. He was distributing the ball on offense, wasn't hogging it and didn't shoot 30 times when, when it wasn't going his way. So I, I just think that that speaks to Jimmy and what you're talking about too. I I totally agree with you. And gravity is a great word for it. I think the only difference between him and Steph though is like I've never seen a player like Steph that commands so much attention when he doesn't have the ball. You know right. what I mean? Like no, it's def definitely a different. Steph is just a a person that that term is used a lot around, and I right. think it, it 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 it'll show up again. I'm, I guarantee people will use it with Jokic when we mm -hmm. talk about. You know, when you hear all the media talking about the matchup between Jokic and 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 Jimmy, they're going to talk about Jokic's gravity and how everything that works uh, for for Denver's favor. Yeah, I think with this series, it's it's funny because I I definitely don't have any skin in the game. All right, <laughs> I think I, I don't care. Like I I would be so happy if Joker wins one and Jamal Murray wins one, and I would be so happy if Jimmy Butler wins one and Gabe Vincent wins one. I just think the stories going into this, like how do you root against any of these guys, right? We have Gabe, we have Jimmy Butler. We all know his story, unwanted, thrown away, you know, grew up on his own, earned everything he's ever gotten in the NBA. We know all the legendary stories about him in practice. We've seen, we're seeing it in front of our eyes, him speaking this shit into existence, right? Like it's, 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 it's mythical, right? What this guy is doing. It really is. And then you have like, 
Gabe Vincent, who was a legit Miami Heat fan growing up. There's pictures of him posted on, on, you know, Instagram when it first came out of him in Miami Heat clothes. And now you're playing in the finals for him. You have the Caleb Martin story where it's like Jay Cole's the one that inspired this guy to go and play and like set, set him up to play in Miami. And now you're doing that. You have the Max Struess story. Then you have like joker and you know 42nd pick in the draft during a taco bell commercial and now you're a two-time mvp and people are talking about you like the greatest player in the world and then you have michael porter jr who has suffered nothing you know the highest touted high school player at the time who had to go through injury after injury and now you're playing in the finals we watched jamal murray tear his acl and the other did he tear it twice something he had two major catastrophic injuries and now he's like cooking right now there is all these Super great stories. It's the legit underdog. All these guys are underdogs yeah. from where they come from. Nobody here was an alpha ever, really. If you think about it, Jamal Murray's probably the best one out of all of them. And it's just really hard to root against any of them. So with when I have no skin in the game, I want a seven game series. I'm thinking to my, I, we had mentioned like when they were joking about it, that, uh, you know, it's going to be Denver and Miami. Everybody's like, ah, oh, nobody's going to watch that. Me and Drew clips and Drew are going to be watching it with popcorn. Cause, <laughs> and most legit NBA fans will be watching that. Yeah. But this is the caveat drew is as much as I have undervalued and underestimated Jimmy Butler in the Miami heat. I have all year. I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think anybody at the beginning of the year said, you know what? Fucking Miami Heat. They're, they are a championship team. They are going to win the championship. There is there is no path that I've that I've taken in my head uh, realistically that I see Miami winning the finals. I don't. And honestly, I told you before the show, the only word that comes up is sweep. I, I think sweep. I think Denver is a, a better team. I think Bam Adebayo is going to have... Uh, nightmares for Joker. Like if you had issues with Horford and Time Lord, like this dude is going to cause some problems. So I, I, as much as I want to say Miami has a chance at this, and I could be completely wrong since I've been wrong about Miami and Jimmy Butler the whole year, I just don't see a path where I see Miami winning it uh, at all. And I could be totally wrong. Jimmy will be the first one to tell us. He doesn't give a shit about what anybody says. Yeah. We are yeah. winning. the. And how do you not bet against that guy? Right? No. no so there's yeah. no path that I see. May, unless you can, you know, uh, uh, pave me another path. I don't <laughs> see it happening. I got Denver sweeping, Drew. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, and I don't think it'll happen. I, I, I think it's close, and I'm just going to add one word to it, and it's gentlemen. It's the gentleman sweep. That's what I think we're going to see. It's, it's, it's Nuggets in five. They win all their games at home. They steal one in Miami. I think that's how it's going to go. If I was going to put anything on it as far as dollars, that would be the sweet spot for me. I think I like those odds. I think that would be a good call. Uh, so let me start from from Miami's perspective because that's kind of what we're talking about. We did we've we've talked a lot about what they're good at and what they're what they're lacking and and their incredible story and all that good stuff. Uh, but we have not talked about. The fact that they are banged the fuck up, right? So tired. <laughs> they are beat to death, and they did it to themselves, right? They had to climb and claw out of the plan mm. and through a whole litany of teams. Like, look at the teams they just beat. That's that's crazy, you oh, know. Dude. They they, I mean, Fight Milwaukee club style, bro. 
Milwaukee and then a Tibbs Knicks team, which just was there to, to bang bodies the whole time. They didn't even think they were going to win. I think Tibbs just said, everyone foul out. That's what, that's my goal. Except for you, Jalen Brunson. I need you out there for every minute. But Knicks and then Boston, right? So they have a chance to, uh, they already did take out the top two seeds in the East. They have a chance to take out, take out the top seed in the West here in this finals. And just like you, I, I don't really see a path. If there is a path, it's definitely not paved. This is where we're we're hiking. This path is is a a windy trail next to a mountain. And they're uh, barefoot. They're barefoot. Oh yeah, <laughs> no sandals, no flip flops even. <laughs> uh, it's the path. Let me try and do it in my head. If if there is going to be a path, right? The path is you throw the the gauntlet at Jokic, right? And what I mean by that is uh, six fouls from Bam, six fouls from Zeller. Six fouls from Udonis Haslam, who I Ooh. do think I think Haslam will be on the court. Clips. Oh, no way. I, I don't think they're going to use him a lot, but I think we will see in moments like Love to it. close the second quarter or, you know, it, it, something like that, where we're going to see Haslam just literally be in there to foul him. Uh, so you throw the you throw the foul book at him and you okay. try to discombobulate their offense, get them out of the rhythm that they're going to get in. And then you apply a tremendous amount of defensive pressure to Jamal Murray. Now, this is something that I talked about when the Lakers lost to the Nuggets is we couldn't figure a way out to guard Jamal Murray. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be easy for the Heat to figure that out. But they have guys that are willing to try, right? Kyle Lowry is going to be poking and prodding and pinching and scratching Jamal Murray's arms and legs and kneecaps and back and all his neck, all of these things. Gabe Vincent is doing nothing else, I think, really. Gabe Vincent's going to be doing nothing else than try to lock down Jamal Murray. Uh, you have uh, Highsmith, another really another story, great story. I, exactly, a really interesting long guy that that could you could throw at at Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, it it for me, I I think the Nuggets are the better team as we as we're you know, alluding to, uh, and the only way that they're going to win is is if they can replicate what they did against Milwaukee. Um, I think that's the closest comp to to Denver that they face. It's a, it's obviously different, but there is some components to it that that you could correlate the two together. Um, I think they need to be um, making Jokic score fifty to sixty points a game, and I, I know that Denver can still win that game when it when it goes that way because he can score fifty or sixty points. But I think that's their 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 method of madness is make joker be the scorer eliminate those passes eliminate that lapse in, in concentration when you let a guy run back door stick to your man close out do not help on Jokic's drives uh stay locked down with your shooters and then you know do your best against Jamal Murray that's that if 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 I'm the Miami Heat that's what I'm going with the zone I think I'm going to throw out the window because you can't work against them Jokic is going to just pick that zone apart so you can't you know, maybe for a couple of possessions to, to throw them off, like you do it like once a quarter or once a half, or, you know, just a, a two minutes of zone. But you're going to see Jokic break it down very quickly, very easily. So I think that's out the window. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy Jimmy can't have the kind of performance that he did in the in the second half of this Eastern Conference Finals. Caleb Martin can do what he what he did uh, for this Miami team against the Nuggets. But you can't rely on that. Uh, as we've talked about, nine points a game, he's on a heater. He's on a heater right now. So trust him. I think Spolster was smart to switch him into the starting lineup and get love to the bench. 
I, I don't know if that'll be the case to start this finals, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is the case because Caleb Martin has earned those minutes, has earned that starting position, and is clearly playing much better than Kevin Love mm-hmm. is. Um, but like we're saying, Jimmy has to show up at, for at least four games, right? At least four. He's got to be pretty much superstar. You know, strap him on your back, Jimmy Butler. And then Bam has to really contribute. I think I think that's the other thing is he has to contribute more than anybody. I think he's the one with the exactly. biggest workload. I think I I totally that's that's what I'm saying. Like well, I I don't I still think Jimmy has to be the leading scorer. He yes. has to be the one that that puts the scoring points on the board uh, of for for Miami. But uh, Bam has to do everything else. And it, it, to me, it's kind of like if if you want to look at it from a Lakers perspective, Jimmy is LeBron and Bam is AD in this in this kind of a rematch if you will for this kind of series uh when you look at two two teams that have two different stars that are a, kind of a wing and a forward and a center uh Bam has to be at, try to be as effective as Anthony Davis was on the defensive end uh and that's it's going to be terrifying for him I, he's going to be exhausted I think he's not going to have a lot of fun out there uh but I think you know if again if, if they can spread the floor with Bam uh, the way that we've seen them do from time to time in these series and try to get Jokic in foul trouble, I think there's a recipe for success. They're in a game, but not for the series, man. I think Denver's too strong. I think they're too connected. I think they're shooting too well. I mean, we talked about three-point percent. Denver shot 40% from three as a team against the Lakers. They shot nearly 50% from the floor against the Lakers. I don't see that slowing down. You just kind of have to hope that Denver misses shots and and do your best to to be there to hopefully impact those shots. Yeah, I think I think the game plan for Spo number 1 is yo, let's get this guy in foul trouble. That's number 1. Definitely. We, we have to get Joker in foul trouble early. I'm curious to know if Jimmy is going to be the guy that says I want I mean, I th- I think he's going to be on Gordon, right? Like I think he's going to be the Gordon matchup. I would I would tuck Jimmy away on on probably not even Gordon. I think I would I would tuck him on, on Michael Porter Jr. Uh that'd be that's a good that's a good idea. I just because I want him to be a hundred percent full go on the offensive end. So I don't want him to have to bang bodies with Aaron Gordon and worry about lobs and you know doing all that. I would I would pretty much have Jimmy on Michael Porter Jr. And then Jimmy, you know, in his competitive nature. Will want to switch. He'll want to guard Jokic. Mm-hmm. He'll want to guard Jamal Murray. And I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing him, you know, on every single player that they have at one point or another. But I would start with with um, with Gabe Vincent on Murray, Bam obviously on Jokic, and I would put Jimmy on on Michael Porter Jr. Over under three and a half flops a game for Kyle Lowry. What do you think? <laughs> well, it depends on his minutes. Uh, look, I think they're going to be using a lot of Lowry uh, for sure, but. We we know the altitude is the thing. We're gonna bring altitude back. Ah, Welcome back. Again. Welcome back, God altitude. Uh, I don't know how well Kyle, Kyle's gonna do in that altitude. So I don't know if he's gonna get more than 12, 14 minutes in uh, the first game or the first two games. Uh, but three flops a game sounds good, actually. I, I would say I would say uh, that's a really good number. I I would I would say over. But over. But, I I love it. I think barely, he's gonna be, but I think he's gonna be trying everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you brought up a really good point about Miami being banged up, and that's so true. And the fact that they're even here in this position is crazy. But you bring up them being banged up. Meanwhile, Denver has had a week off. 
you know, yep. just chilling. They are 100% healthy. And if anything, they're yep. 100% rested. And then you have this other card. You have this Tyler Hero card with Miami. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because if Hero doesn't go down, the Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin minutes don't really happen, right? So this has really helped them out. They have this, this uh, you know, vibe going for the team. They have this chemistry going right now. And then if you try to implement uh, Tyler Hero, if he comes back in game three, I mean, if you're down 0-2 and it's game three, I think you try everything, right? Like yeah. if Hero wants back in, he's a 22, 20 point a game scorer. Yeah. You have to let the kid back in, right? Um, Definitely. But he's going to be rusty as hell. He hasn't played for a minute. So yeah. I think just everything is working against Miami. Not only is it high, right. uh, you know, home court and altitude once again, mm-hmm. uh, but I think everything is working again. And I think they like that. I think yeah. Miami thrives off that, especially Jimmy. Definitely. And I also think like we're going to see Denver's toughness, right? That's the last thing that that I think we need to talk about as far as this matchup goes is like we know how tough Miami is. They have proven it. They've done it again this year. They are a tough fucking team. Denver is something that we haven't necessarily seen them prove toughness wise. And they've done it with skill and they've done it with beauty, I think, at times. And uh, they're, again, a very fantastic team. But what we're going to see is Miami bring the fight to them. Mm-hmm. So let's see how tough they are. Let's see how they can handle the flops and the and the, and the talking and the pulling of the jerseys of the shorts and all the all the all the, all the shitty stuff that Miami's going to pull out mm-hmm. of their ass to try to affect this game. Uh I think Denver has a point to prove here and uh the way that uh, going back to like the 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 mountainous path that potentially could lead to the Miami uh Heat winning this championship wow. it starts with game 1 because they are they are the team that is banged up but they all are, also are the team that just played 2 days ago and does not need uh, a moment to collect themselves does not need a moment to be like oh my god we're in the finals like holy shit they would look around like no denver is the team that's been sitting on their ass that's been anticipating who they're going to play working through that in their heads and uh, thinking about the moment and the crowd's going to be there in denver it's their first finals ever right uh, as a as yeah. an organization yeah i think I, I know that they haven't won a championship but i think it's their first finals i could be wrong there maybe in the 70s they might have gotten there but uh, anyway, it's been a long time for Denver if it if it's not their first time. Uh, so the, everything is going to be this big, big, huge, uh, you know, ordeal as it should be. But I think in those moments, if Denver doesn't come out like rocking, like raring to go, energy levels high, Miami will punch them in the face in that first quarter and, and will get out to like an odd 8, 12 point lead somewhere in there. And then can they hold on and win the game? That's truthfully i think that's the path for success if it doesn't go that way again we're going back to you calling sweep and me calling gentleman sweep i think it, i'm I'm smiling over here because i'm thinking there is so much hoopla going on right now right mm-hmm. like they're trying the nba is the best at this is selling a product right and like we see it during the all-star game and draft day and even the lottery day like it's a show for everything and even media day today was you know the nba has paolo has your boy benny math like being the correspondents for, uh, you know, for social and whatnot. I just think I'm smiling because while Denver has had a week to think about it and like get caught in the moment and whatnot, I just have this vision of Joker giving zero fucks about any of that and wanting just to play. It's another game to him, right? I don't think he likes doing the interviews. He doesn't like doing all this, this media shit. He just wants to go out there and play. And I think, 
that you're right, Drew. You're definitely right with Miami coming out and is going to try to intimidate them and try to out tough them because they want the smoke. And we don't necessarily sure we're not necessarily sure if MPJ wants that smoke or Jamal wants that because we've seen some bad games from both of them. They're capable of that. And even Joker's bad game of 27, 17 and 40, (laughs) right? His one bad game in the playoffs. Um, I would, uh, how about put it this way? You have them at gentlemen. I have them at sweep. But can we just both say this, that if Miami pulls this off, like <laughs> if my think we haven't thought about that, right? I still don't see a path in my head. All the basketball I've watched and covered and talked about and whatnot, I don't see a path in these guys winning. Like Denver would have to have the biggest collapse <laughs> for four games ever, right? Yeah. I personally feel that way. But Let's let's just for the sake if if there are Miami fans that are listening. I don't know any legit Miami Heat fans. I don't. Do you know it? Do you have anybody in your life besides the guy you saw at Buffalo Wild Wings the other night? <laughs> no. No, I don't. I have I have nobody. Would would it be the most shocking like championship win of all time? Wouldn't wouldn't that be the craziest story ever? We're talking about storylines here. Spolstra, like come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think in the NBA that it would definitely be up there. It, I mean, I don't think there ever has been a team that has done what I alluded to by taking out the number the top 3 teams in the NBA on their way to a finals. I don't know if while being right. an eighth seed. Especially that. No, especially right. that. Yeah. Uh so certainly in NBA history, I think it would have to be up there with the greatest postseason run uh kind of akin to like North Carolina State, right? Like mm. go back to Valvano days. Mm. Like that's survive in advance. I mean, mm-hmm. it almost kind of, it's a, it's a perfect, uh, you know, uh, reference there, I think for this team, uh, it, it when it comes to other sports, uh, I don't know. I don't fucking know hockey. I don't, I don't no. NFL. I don't think NFL has anyone that has done that run, made that run, uh, like that. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has, but Leicester city in the premier league, is the craziest sports story of all time. I have no idea who Lester is and what city he's from. They just got relegated this year, unfortunately for them. But six years ago, they win, They won the Premier League without a, a snail's chance and a salt bath. Uh, and they... That's a good one. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Where'd that one come made, from, Drew? I just made that one up. You no, did just... not. You read that somewhere. That's a good one. I have, I've never heard anyone say it. God, uh, that's good. Drew, I'm writing that down. <laughs> you can have that one. Uh, they, needless to say, we don't get into the soccer, but they, they were, you know, new to the premier league, relatively new to the premier league in in that recent time. And they were picked like to finish in one of the last spots out of all 20 teams. And they go on to win. They had 5,000 to one odds. Wow. To begin the season. It may have even been 50,000. It it was, it's some astronomical (laughs) odds and that Premier League season is very grueling and there's points and all that. There's not a there's not a one on one kind of a playoff where you can take advantage of the moment. It was a full on full season, nine months of them fucking just grinding it away. So Leicester City, you know, that's a big one. Uh, But Miami, maybe maybe number two, if they pull this off. Well, Vegas definitely doesn't have Miami winning it. I think it was no. like what is it, minus three sixty or something? I don't know. Even know I don't even know odds or anything like that. But I yeah. know that Vegas doesn't have anybody. I mean, it'd be a good time to put money on Miami. I mean, if I if if I was a betting man, but I am not. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you're a betting person, just bet the games. Don't. Yeah. Don't bet yeah. the series. If you're if you're going to try and make, you know, money on Denver, 
bet the games, don't bet the series. If you're if you're trying to make money on Miami, bet the series. If there's one win Miami gets for your gentleman's sweep, it's game one. That's what you that's what you're going. No, for. see, I think actually if it goes if if Miami steals game one, mm-hmm. I think it goes beyond five. Ooh, okay. I still think Denver, I still think Denver wins in six or seven, whatever it is. Okay. Game seven in Denver sounds like a nightmare. It just sounds like a fucking nightmare. It does. Me. Just Trying for the heat, just for what they've gone yeah, through. Dude, hell no. <laughs> Last game of the season, you played a hundred games. This this is bullshit. Uh, so, but I, I think if Miami steals game one, it's going to go longer than five. Uh, I I do think if Miami does not win game one, first two will go Denver. Miami will win three. Denver will win four and five, and that's how we go. All right. So before we get into the final thought, um, quick question. I wanted to bring this up. I haven't reached out to our boy, our. Uh, our Bay area correspondent, Jeff Crompton. I haven't mm-hmm. brought him into the conversation yet. Cause I think he's still uh, hurt from what happened <laughs> this weekend. So Bob Myers is stepping down from the golden state warriors. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, we've talked about golden state all year. We've talked about them. Like we were just talking about Boston. Like what are the next steps going to be for golden state? I think they have a lot of issues that they're going to have to address this summer. And I do feel that this Bob Myers thing, is the first domino mm-hmm. that's going to go into effect here and might affect how players perceive playing for this team because he was such a big part. You could tell in the press conference how emotional he was. You see what all the players were saying, especially Steph Curry, how much this guy meant, what he did for this organization, which is absolutely unreal. I think they were of 430 million. They were valued at 430 million when this guy came in. They're at like 7 billion right now, (laughs) which is insane. He's done such a phenomenal job. And sometimes things run their course, man. I don't think it's that he doesn't love the organization and wants to go somewhere else. I think he's very serious about, look, I'm just tired. And I don't know if I have, like I was saying to you about LeBron, I know it's different. Sometimes people don't have the energy to do this again. You know what I mean? Like this is a lot. And maybe he sees the rebuild on the horizon. And maybe he feels like, I just don't know if I got another, you know, couple years to rebuild this team. There's obviously issues that they have that they're going to have to address. And maybe he just wants to pass this off into somebody else, but I want to, you know, tip my cap. I'm saluting Bob Myers and golden state. Cause he, he just been, he's the best at his job. He did such a good job with the team. And I wonder how our boy feels like, do you think that this is a domino that falls the first one that falls? I don't know if Bob Myers not being there automatically equals Steph, Clay, and Dre, one of those three goes somewhere else. I don't know. I don't think that's the correlation. Um, I I do think had they kept Bob Myers, it would, to me, it would have solidified the fact that those three guys are there. So it's still definitely in the realm of possibility. I just don't think it's automatic. I don't think we, I don't think we need to look, uh, you know, continue to look at Shams to see like, oh, Clay Thompson's been traded, or the Warriors are going to let Draymond Green walk. Uh, I do think, like you said, I think this is a very personal decision for Bob Myers because look, he was president of basketball operations and the GM. There's a world where he goes, I don't want to do the GM stuff. I will pass that. We'll bring someone in, or we'll bring up Mike Dunleavy Jr. or Lakeup. Uh, it's Lakeup's kid, right? Lakeup's kid is is below Dunleavy. Mm-hmm. I I made the mistake of thinking that they didn't pro- provide uh, Bob with a vice president. They brought on Mike Dunleavy Jr. Uh, in previous podcasts when we talked about this, I didn't bring up Mike Dunleavy, so he's there. 
there's, uh, you know, I think he even may have even said that Mike Dunleavy Jr., who played a little while for the Golden State Warriors, uh, can take the role. Like, I just think I think Bob may need a break, may need a breather, mm-hmm. um, because he could have just done president of basketball operations, and that, you know, doesn't sound like the easiest job, but it's also not the hardest job, right? You you can really uh, delegate a lot of those tasks to everyone in the organization, including a GM and including, an, uh, you know, somebody else in the organization that you can bring in. So I think he needed a moment uh, to reassess. I'm surprised by it. I mean, he's not an old guy by any means, especially in, you know, the realm of front offices. He's 48 years old. Uh, I, I do think clips though, there, there's one, but, Ooh. and the Knicks immediately fired, their GM after Bob Myers was was let go. Uh, uh, so that's the big but. It's like, okay, is it a break? Like, do you need a breather from the game and responsibilities? And you've made a lot of money now, and you can go literally do whatever you want to do, and, and you have a Hall of Fame front office career. Uh, or is it, I actually just want to try something different. You I want, want a project. I, I want, want to a try something new. Right. I'm tired of uh, looking at the same pieces and trying to fit different puzzle pieces into the same puzzle that only missing two pieces. I'm bored of that. I do want, you know, a different challenge in a different city and all of that stuff. I don't think that's going to be the case. I still don't. I don't think he's going to be like, cool, I'll jump, jump over to the Knicks right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will be, I'll be, you know, watching the 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 headlines to see if he does end up over there in the next couple of months or if he takes a meeting, right? Like if he takes a meeting, that means he's he, putting his feelers out there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I still think firmly like, like we're saying that this, this is just a timeout. He needs a, he needs a breather. Have we checked LinkedIn? Who's he, who's he dealing <laughs> right. with right now? <laughs> right. What's going What's going on? Yeah. I think sometimes that GM position can get like when you, as a GM or the president of basketball operations, when you stop wanting to go to practice or you stop wanting to watch game tape of, guys coming up or you stop wanting to interview different scouts from different parts of the region to get different, you know, uh, 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 basketball players from international and some, you know, based in the United States, when you stop, you know, having the passion for the little stuff, the stuff that feels harder to do every day that you don't want to do it. It's a, it's a good time to call it. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's necessarily what happened with him, but I, I can see that being the case after so many years of doing the same thing. Well, they had mentioned that he wasn't at the combines for the first time. Like he wasn't going to the combines. He wasn't at the GM meeting. Like there's this huge meeting that they all have together that he wasn't out at. So I think the writing was definitely on the wall. And I'm sure that he's tied enough with that that front office that they've probably known this for a minute. So they probably already know who they have their eye on. And I don't think this was a super surprise. It wasn't like he popped the press conference and is like, I'm leaving. I think this was something that they had probably discussed and they probably have the person that they want in for that job, which is going to be a tough job. Those are huge uh, shoes to fill, you know, and you have your work cut out for you. It's going to be somebody else's problem. I guess if you want to call if if that's your problem being the, with the golden state warriors, you know what I mean? And maybe they'll probably, they'll pawn it off on Dunleavy. Who knows? Or can, you know, can like, are they going to take them seriously if it's Lakeup's kid that's going to be running the show too? Like, I just yeah. don't know. I'd, I'd like to reach out to Crompton and see, see how he feels about that. But could be an interesting summer. It's going to be an interesting summer for them, no matter what. Uh, you got a final thought for me, Drew? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually keep going in this theme, this realm of uh, vacancies. I, I, my final thoughts on the coaching merry-go-round right now. So I, I did have a note in there for Bobby, Bobby Myers to see mm-hmm. what's up with him and, and 
uh, obviously we almost had on our he... show by the way we did almost we almost had him on our show well, and he then might the have Draymond... more time for us he might have more time for us now he might now and then we'll i think the draymond punch happened and we weren't able to get him after that <laughs> i think seriously within like two days that's what that's what happened um so uh the coaching merry-go-round as as i'm going to talk about i just want to give everyone a little update and then throw out some thoughts nice and easy mm-hmm. uh you talked about it already nick nurse now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Adrian Griffin, former assistant to Nick Nurse in Toronto, now the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Interesting pick. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the talk around the Phoenix Suns is that it won't won't be Doc Rivers and that it won't be Budenholzer that makes their way over there in this little round round table that we're doing. Uh, It's going to be Kevin Young, assistant coach, who's already in the building. Uh, so it seems to me that they might be already, you know, set and ready with their their coach. So it leaves a few openings for a few of these other guys. Toronto still does not have a head coach. Detroit still does not have a head coach. Um, and as I mentioned, Phoenix still hasn't made the decision, but it seems like they may already have chosen their man. So I'm curious to see, number one, uh what the hell Nick Nurse is going to do with that shit show in Philly? That's going to be interesting, right? Like how do, how does how does this work for him? Where does he see the the organization going? What changes are he is he going to make? Now he's in bed with uh, with with <laughs> Embiid and Harden at least for a while. Uh, so we'll see what that looks like and whether or not Harden jumps ship, um, because it, it was pretty clear that Harden didn't want Doc Rivers <clears throat> back. Uh, oh, that's a hundred. That's a hundred percent. Harden's the reason he's out of there. Exactly. Uh, which is fucked up because it seems like he might be out of there too, which is so crazy. But uh, the the bigger piece here, though, other than the vacancies and, and just giving you guys all an update, is uh, Adrian Griffin getting the Milwaukee Bucks job as an assistant coach, longtime assistant coach, former player in the NBA. Uh, getting him a job that like he could easily have the best team in the NBA next year record wise and could be another number one seed is a huge win for him. And I just want to congratulate him. And then also it's a huge win for all of those assistant coaches that have put in countless hours on the benches uh, of these different organizations. And they never seem to get a good job like this. This is like groundbreaking shit. So my final thought is uh, well done in Milwaukee to, to kind of, I don't know, give this a try. It worked pretty well for, Darvin Ham with the Lakers this year. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe Adrian Griffin's exactly what they need. And God, God knows the guy's watched enough basketball to to earn himself a, a, a number one spot on a bench. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what changes he brings, X's and O's wise, to to the Bucks that maybe Budenholzer wasn't wasn't able to accomplish. Um yeah, interesting stuff. I think Adrian Griffin is like the complete opposite of what happened to Paul Silas, right? Like yeah. to, coach, to coach Silas. It's like you, this right. is your one opportunity. We're going to give you these Houston Rockets. And then for Adrian, it's like, we're going to give you Giannis and this, and yeah. this team. And we yeah. honestly, we don't know what's going to happen with that squad either. You mentioned earlier with the Lopez and with Middleton being up, like mm-hmm. there might be a lot of adjustments that they're going to have to make. And again, like Giannis had to sign off on it. So he obviously liked, oh, didn't I, we don't know that for a fact, but I'm sure they went to Giannis and said, this is the guy that we're going with. Um, 
Well, I, yeah, they should have because Giannis's contract is is not that far from being over. Uh, and there is, you know, I'm sure a lot of a lot of organizations that were going like, okay, well, what, what, where do you want? What do you like, Giannis? Because well, we got it all. We got. He'd it all like that here. super max that we just brought up about J- about Jalen Brown. So sixty right. million would be real nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think he's been in the league long enough to know that Miami is a great place to call home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I do. Th- I do think that Monty that that Detroit is is pursuing Monty Williams heavy and they want him there and i think that's probably going to be his landing spot if he chooses to to be there which i don't think is i don't know man monty's good with the kids and the up-and-comers and whatnot it might be a, the perfect place for him um i think he deserves a job and i think the the pistons have their eyes on him yeah. and i think they're going to try to do whatever they can to get him in there i'm interested to see where he goes there's still yeah. all this Ty Lue talk which is still <laughs> pissing me off i don't understand it he's under contract till next year uh, I don't think we're going to give him the opportunity to leave. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I think I know what's going on with the Clippers, and then some. I get thrown a curveball, so I'm not necessarily necessarily too sure about that. I don't think he's going to go anywhere, Ty Lue. I think if he was, if it it would have happened yeah. already. You know, like a lot of these guys. And he's not going. We're not going to let him go to Phoenix. Sorry to interrupt you, Drew. We can't just let him go to Phoenix. All right. Right. We just, we can't let that happen. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, if it was gonna be Tyloo gone, if it was gonna be Tyloo gone, I I thought it was gonna be the Bucks or uh, Philly, mm-hmm. right? Like, I kind of thought that's those are like the 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 types of jobs that might be intriguing to Tyloo. Not, I don't think he would. You know, number one, Clippers won't let him go to Phoenix, like you're no, saying. No, and I don't think he wants a Detroit or a, a Toronto kind of experience. He he wants to be winning games and yeah. and playing for finals and stuff. So, and look, dude, he's still a very good coach. I know, I know we, everyone, every single coach in the NBA just gets the short end of the stick. Uh, as man, Ty Lue is, is no stranger to that end of the stick. Uh, but I think people react at the end of the season. They just start throwing, throwing everything out of their back pocket and being like, and Ty Lue's not a good coach either. We got to oh, get rid of him. You should hear some of the Clipper nation, what they say. Yeah. I get it, man. There has to be a blame somewhere. Yeah, and somebody's got to take it. Yeah, it's normally the coach. We're keeping Ty Lue, at least for the time being. That's what I think. Who knows what can happen next week? Uh, my final thought's going to be really quick. I, uh, You know, man, I know we're really excited for Wembo. You know, <laughs> like I think we're all really excited to see what this guy can do. Um, I am personally not sold yet as like being the greatest prospect ever. I'm not sold yet. Against, I want to see him play in NBA games. I know it sounds weird, and I haven't made the right, the 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 greatest calls with young talent. I mean, I've had some good calls, but I yeah. also haven't made the greatest calls. I know this guy's going to be a very good NBA player. I need to see him against competition. I'm more, I'm more of a Scoot guy. Okay, I've been adamant about that. I think Scoot's ready. I'm really looking forward to seeing Scoot play. But I will say this: that I remember J.R. Ryder in the slam dunk contest being from Oakland and doing the East Bay funk dunk. Right. And it was like the biggest thing to happen in dunking in forever. I had a a pretty good relationship with J.R. Ryder. Every time he came to town, I've got, I've got his, I have his game worn UNLV Jersey signed. He gave that to me. I had a good relationship with him, but that East Bay funk dunk was wild. You guys remember when Kobe did it in the dunk contest and it was like, Oh my God. 
this guy just did the East Bay. And last night, I'm watching Wembo in, in warm-ups, and you're seeing the seven foot five Wembo do the East Bay funk dunk like it was no big deal. <laughs> off the and backboard. I, <laughs> off the glass. All right. <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is our evolution of basketball. This is what we've yep. come to now. Not only are we numb to eighth graders doing it in eighth grade AAU <laughs> games and whatnot. Now we're just, and it's just, it's just a, it's just a, a swipe on social media. It's just like, ah, eh, Wembo doing off the glass in between the legs dunk. I, this guy is so crazy and I understand the hype seven, five. And this is what this, this kid does still not sold yet. Okay. Not sold. I'd like to see him go against Joker and see what happens. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say this guy's going to be LeBron or Mike or anything like that. I think he can beat KD though. I think that's a, I think that's is a great comparison and goal for Wembo. He is yeah. not that yet. He has a lot of work to do, but yeah. when you see things like we just saw on social last night, you're like, okay, I, I never seen it. Kevin Durant do that. Never seen Kevin Durant do that. You don't see a lot of NBA players doing that. Nope. You know? Aaron Gordon can do it, but I don't know. I don't know how many can. It would be awesome to see Kevin Durant try and do that. It'd probably be really awkward, right? I bet I bet Katie could have thrown something like that down when he was a younger man. You know, before he's the just Achilles too long. And- you know how long it takes his legs to get off the ground and his arms carry so much. Actually, we can't say that because Wimbo can do it. Wimbo's got longer. That's what arms I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Wimbo's close to the basket. I think that's the other part, is like he's he's closer to the basket because of his mm-hmm. reach. Right, mm-hmm. he can pretty much dunk it without jumping. That's a big, you know. That's a. Were you impressed plus. though, Drew? Did Very. that impress you? I was shocked. I had to watch it a couple times because I didn't know what was happening. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's all right." Yeah, he's in warmups. He's doing the East Bay. That's cool. Yeah. And then I watch it again, and that's when I saw it go off the glass. Uh-huh. And then he caught it before it hit the ground, and then went between the legs and slammed it home. Whew. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how do how do you look at that and then say you're a scoot guy? I'm know. still a scoot guy, Drew. I like to be. I'm. I'm just. I like to be that guy. I'm still sticking by my Jaden Ivy call. Okay, I'm still sticking by my Jaden Ivy call. Yeah, and I, I'm just a scoot guy. I think he's just so ready for the NBA. And is I'm not no. saying that Wembo isn't. I just want to see him against the. We haven't seen it yet. Okay, we haven't yep. seen him against Rudy Gobert. I can't believe I just said that. We haven't seen him against Embiid, AD, Joker, like any of these guys. These legit, and who knows if he's even going to be guarding those guys? I have no idea. It's that's the thing. I I actually think he's going to look a lot like Michael Porter Jr. in the first year of the league than he does uh, any of those guys that you just mentioned. God, Michael Porter, he's he's got seven inches on Michael Porter Jr. at sixteen. <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, Drew, really, really fast before you go, can you repeat what you said in the show today? Uh, uh. Uh, a snail, a snail's fart in a, in a, in a salt shaker. What, what is, what was it again? I think I said a snail's chance in a salt bath. God, I love that. That was so good. We're going to be back shortly. NBA finals. Y'all. So follow through with clips and drew. We're ghosts. <laughs>